Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, canine cognition. Staying at home has meant a lot of quality time with our dogs, but what are they really thinking? Are they wondering when we'll give them some privacy again? Dr. Alexandra Horowitz, senior research fellow and adjunct associate professor at Barnard College, has spent her life studying domestic dog cognition and behavior. She's here to tell us what our dogs think. Do they love us as much as they love food? Parents of teenagers often ask that same question and get the same answer. Plus, it's our 100th show with centenarians. We'll celebrate being nobodies who made it to 100. Oh, we owe it all to a diet of double stuff Oreos and the wrong kind of exercise. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to keep this show's conversation trotting inside the topical dog run. And now, please welcome the woman who bounds over every conversational fence and howls at the moon, even in the midday sun, Paula Poundstone. Hey, guys. Welcome, Paula. Thank you so much. A big welcome um, to tonight's house band flautist Lindsay Goodman from Pickerington, Ohio. Fantastic. That's some Thank flouting. you, Lindsay. Fl- flautist. I've never felt comfortable with that word. Um, Would you prefer flutist? Yeah. F- yeah, flout really? just sounds, I don't know. Sounds One vague. Flouts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, yeah. Uh, any, uh, anyway, so nice to be here back on my treadmill that's not turned on. Uh, Thank God. Yeah. Otherwise, right, I go right through the back of my closet. Right. Um, yeah. I'm happy uh, 100th birthday, Paula. I mean, not birthday. I mean, episode. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think what you're going to find, hesitancy. Adam. Well, I think yeah. what you're going to find is that it feels very much like the 99th. And, and we'll find that it's very similar to the 101st. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big, like... I've told this story a thousand times, but it really is true, which is that when I was turning 50, I thought for sure I was going through some sort of, you know, some sort of emotional portal or, some, you know, like there was my build up to turning 50. You know, people always talk about it. It's, it's the big one. It's, it's a milestone. It, it's very much like driving over the Alabama-Georgia border. Uh, there's no, it's... It's really? the same. Yeah, it's very much the same <laughs> on both sides. So you're saying that because your 50th birthday was no great shakes, you're not going to let our 100th episode be special. Oh, no. I, I, every show is special. That's my feeling, Adam. Every <laughs> show is special. That's. Well, that, I, I mean, this would. I, yeah. 
Well, I raised my children in the era where that's what you always told them, you know, that they're special and that, you know, every each each of them is special and every child you Was meet it is true? special. Well, you know, now apparently they say that we raise a generation of kids that are kind of entitled. Uh, you know, they're the trophy generation. And I read right. an article about that one day and I called my kids up and I said, oh, my gosh, I've made a terrible mistake. I said, you're not nearly as special as I thought you were. And, uh, oh, that's going to help. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what everybody wants mom to call and say at some point. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, since we had that frank discussion, they've really turned a corner. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so yes, every show is special, Adam. Well, every to me, this one is special-er. Oh, I see. Special-er. All right, so you know what? Uh, I, what? Maybe this was, was this last night? I don't, you know how the days, you don't know anymore what day was what day. But, oh, yeah, we are in the, um, the, the heat of this thing, this corona yeah, thing. Yeah, so, okay, uh, I'm not able to go do my stand-up shows in theaters where people gather in large groups. and, and um, Because they don't. Because they, because they don't, and they shouldn't, let me just say. I'm not sorry that they don't. I'm sorry that they can't, but I don't want them to until they can. Um, okay. But having, having said that, so I don't have an income. So I'm very careful. What like with food? I don't, you know. I I I know the difference between wants and needs. I don't. I'm lucky to have what I have. I, I don't need things, right? So I'm very careful. So you know, I don't eat out. Obviously, I don't even order food to pick up. I so I had gone to the grocery store a while ago. I'm very careful with my food. So I had planned, and I'm meal planning, Adam. I had planned to have rice right. and beans the other night. But the last time that I've had beans, it had a flip-top can. I feel like the story um, could have started at rice and beans, but okay, here we go. Okay, so the last time I had beans, there was a flip-top. You know, I don't snack a lot during the day either. I'm very careful. So I was really hungry for my rice and beans dinner uh, last night. And when I okay. went to open the can, there was no flip-top on it. And so what? I- What? So I dig around in a drawer. Hold on, I'm going to need a second. I'm going to need a second. There was It was a regular old can? It was a regular old can, and I dig around in the drawer, and I find a can opener. But I don't know how it works. Wait, and then what? I, I dig around in the drawer, and I found another can opener. And okay. it was a different kind. And I didn't know how that one worked either. And I kept what? trying and trying and nothing I was doing was working. And, fi- and then I thought, well, I'll get like a can opener, the kind that has a, you know, for beer or something, the, the, that kind. The, the, yeah, the, the thing that you like puncture uh, tomato juice cans with, you mean. Exactly. And I thought, I'll just yes. poke it a lot. I couldn't find one. I was, and, 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 I and was even just, if you I'm found like, one, Paula, to be honest, even if you found one, unless you spent a long time with it, you would be extracting those beans one at a time from that can. I had already spent a long time with it. I bet you I was trying okay. to open that can for a fucking hour. I, wow. I could, and then I went through the cabinet. Like I know I have more cans of beans in here, but they were all this uh, regular kind. And so, um, you know what I had for dinner? I do not. I'm guessing rice. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I had a large bowl of rice and frustration spiced a little bit with salty tears. I had to look it up on the internet. Like, I didn't think to do it that day. I looked it up the next day. So now you know and how it, to use a can opener? 
It was totally not the way I was using it. I, I can't I imagine how, use- how you would use it. I, I Do I know how to use a can opener? Yes. But these two can openers were unlike any can opener I've ever seen. I, my daughter well, Paula, must have bought them. I'm, I'm going to ask you to do us a favor. Would you take a couple of pictures of those can openers and uh, post them to. on our social media? I want to see wh- – I think we all deserve to see what the can opener that flummoxed Paula Poundstone looks like. I, you know, I don't want people to get the idea that I'm some sort of you know entitled wench who hasn't had to open her own cans for years. We had a can opener that worked quite okay. fine. I think what happened is when when my daughter was living here, I think she decided that it wasn't like it was somehow not modern enough. And so okay. she got rid of the one that I knew how to use because I can't find it anywhere. And she bought these like, pa- you know, I think she pa- got it from like Sur la Table or something. So I think she I got love it from Sur la some, Table. Well, but it was like some f- fucking modern uh, <laughs> Look, thing. I want to yeah. see a picture of it. I want to see a picture. I want it to go up on our Facebook group. I want to see what is the can opener that, that destroyed you. Um, but before we go what further. What I should um, take a picture of is what I did to my teeth. Do you try to open a can with your teeth? <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't do that. I don't have a lot of food. I needed. I really wanted beans with my rice. Uh, and you've never seen a can opener like this can opener, by the way. I've I, never seen one like it. I, I'm picturing some sort of like Dr. Seuss-like machine that's powered by mice and stuff. Yeah, it makes a honking noise. Um, when I... <laughs> When I did finally see how it's used, and I don't know if I could do it or not myself, um, uh, I was holding it uh, sideways. Oh, like I had it—I had it the wrong way. I no, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, while I've while we've reached this moment, let, let me, let's take a second and go around the horn and say hi to the rest of our cast of characters here on the show. Um, find out how they're doing, and hopefully, stuck here in the in our Corona stasis, they've experience new things this week and can tell us something new and exciting. So, um, Tony Anita Hull in Studio City, California. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> Boy, What's she, new, sounds, wow. she sounds brimming with news. <laughs> yeah. Starting to question this segment. What's new, Tony? <laughs> nothing. Nothing is new, I have to be honest. Really? Um, there's, I mean... Nothing. I know one thing that's new for Tony, which is that she has been approached by CBS to be their news anchor. Um, oh, really? Because, Congratulations. Yeah, because of that kind of presentation that she just gave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good evening. This is Tony Anita Hall, and here's the news. There isn't any. Yeah. For CBS yeah, News, is- I'm Tony Anita Hall. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a long news show. She just goes... Yeah. Everything's fine. <laughs> Nothing's That's new. It. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, Tony, I I could see how you would have uh, not seen this segment coming that we've been doing for the last three, four <laughs> weeks and not even made something to fuck up. But okay. <laughs> On we go. I'm very uh, busy. I'm a busy lady. I'm a busy uh, lady. Well, yeah. What are you busy uh, with? <laughs> <laughs> you know, working on stuff. For yeah. the for the podcast, for the for the game show, for my day job, 
just been busy. Uh, okay. So nothing. Tony, um, Tony uh, is the person who reaches out to the guests um, for your to get them for your new game come. show for your forthcoming uh, game uh, show. No, for uh, for this show, she reaches out to the guests to get them to come on the show. Oh, and so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so she's been polishing her ask. Um, she does it. <laughs> Wait, she what? She does it. She's been polishing her ask. Oh, her ask. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's better than the thing I thought you said. Yeah. Um, she does it hey, like this. Well, she goes, She goes. hi, this is Tony Anita Ho. I was wondering. <laughs> what? Is she Jerry Lewis now? Hello. She, I this was, is Tony Anita Ho. I was wondering if you'd like Could to you be, be a on guest? the show. <laughs> No, it didn't sound like. No, it sounds like Tony Anita Hall. Okay, um, Bonnie Burns from some horse farm up north. How you doing? Hold on, I'm not prepared. Now I am. <laughs> Captain Crinkle, Bonnie Burns, Paula's manager, our producer, and just no, automatic noise generator. What's new? Well, I'm trying to figure out if I have the nerve to tell this really embarrassing story of what happened to me this week. Oh, I'm not you sure do. I do. Tell it. Wow. All right. So Were you stuck in a well? I was not stuck in a well. I think it's even more embarrassing than that. Okay, it wouldn't be great. embarrassing to be stuck in a well. No, but well, this it depends. is. depends. It would just is. be un- unfortunate. Okay, okay, go ahead. So remember last week when I said that I'd been wearing the earplugs? It, they were just like a cheap headset that you buy at the airport so that mm-hmm. you can... Here, like your radio or something. And, Earpod. Um, Earbuds. Well, not a radio, but, you know, like on on the plane. So, Earbuds. Yeah, earbuds, but I don't want to get it confused with Raycon, which are like, you know, high-end earbuds. Right. Okay. So anyway, I wore them, and I've been wearing them for a long time, and I got a really bad earache. And my daughter said it was because I'd been wearing them for too long. And... I thought that was weird because I do wear them for a long time because I do some editing on the show, things like that. So I take them out and, you know, figured it would go away in a couple of days, and it didn't. And now, you know, I'm trying to put, I read on the internet, and it says, you know, you can use olive oil, like what you should do for an earache. Olive oh oil. Oh, my and, God. You got a salad well, stuck is, in your ear? This is, <laughs> this, is going to, this is going to a bad place fast. And then I said to my daughter, you know, can you go to the store and see if there's something like for a sore ear and get me some drops? And she comes back with something that was holistic, but it didn't seem like it was for a sore ear. And then in the directions, it said, you know, may cause the ear to feel worse for a couple of days and then it'll go. Oh, Jesus. I thought, right. I don't want to yeah. use that. Was so it Flex I- Seal? Was it Flex Seal? Because that's <laughs> that'll cause was your it- ears to feel worse. Okay, so then I kind of remember when I was when I was younger, I put like you know hot claws on your ear that would feel better. So I'm doing I'm doing that. That's reasonable. Well, you were younger, so everything felt better because you were younger. So don't use that as the measure. Yeah, yeah. Now I wake up 
in the morning, I'm thinking, does the ear feel better? And some mornings it would feel a little better. I'm starting to think, because, you know, they say after five days, go see a doctor. And now it's been like maybe seven days. Like maybe an infection's going up in my brain or something. And I have a good imagination. Now it's getting close to Memorial Day. And the ear is actually starting to feel worse. And it seems like it's going like into my jaw. And oh, I'm Jesus. getting concerned. And I'm thinking Memorial Day weekend, I'm not going to be able to get anybody if this is an emergency. And actually, I'm thinking, what if like I have to call an ambulance or something? Wow. So, well, then you could I be in the think, parade. I what? You could be in the parade. I could be in the parade. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paula. So, I managed to get into my doctor, who's at UCLA. I'm in such pain. I got to navigate the whole thing with the mass and waiting where they let you go up in the elevator one at a time. I go in and I go, my ear is so sore. It's really bothering me. And she looks in with the scope and she goes, you have an earbud in there. (laughs) Oh, 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 how is that? Oh, God damn it, Bonnie. So embarrassing. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay. I need to hear more now. I never thought I'd say these words, but Bonnie, I need to hear more from you. Uh, don't those ear aren't those earbuds attached to wires? They are, but like when I'm on my computer. <laughs> oh my god. Apparently in her in her sleep she gnawed through the wire. Yeah, I mean, what, did the wire come out or something? No. Tony, would you shut up and stop? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I now find the impossible task of asking you to answer a question that I need an answer to, Bonnie. Okay, How- so when I'm, because I'm on the computer so much, I only wear one bud in my ear, not both of them. Well, why okay. is that? Why? Well, because it just really bothers me to have all the sound blocked off, so I only hear with one ear. But describe these buds. Were these wireless buds or something? No, it's like, you know, you plug it into your computer. Okay, but so So, Adam's point is there's a wire connected (laughs) to the earbud. What did you do with the wire? No, so I had one bud in my ear. And I never, you know, I put whatever bud is I see laying around, I stick it in my ear. So, yeah, you're right. After a few days, I did see one bud laying around that didn't have a little. The wire. Where was the The wire? The wire, Bonnie. (laughs) What wire? Let me try to uh, translate here. You know the little doohickey you put on top of the earbud to change sizes sometimes? Yeah, she's right. That's oh, so it was she, a little silicon doohickey. It wasn't the earbud itself. But it itself. wasn't silver. These were like cheap ones I bought at the airport with my daughter. <laughs> and I didn't it was say like it was a little silver. Red, it was a little red rubber tip. And okay, here's the really grossest part. I can't believe I'm going to tell it. It wasn't. Uh. She said to me, I go, what? It's in there? And she goes, yeah, it's pink, right? I went, no, it was red. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So you had this like little red silicon or rubber thing thing that a kid who's ten would do, like oh yeah. (laughs) My age, this is so embarrassing. I gotta tell you, Bonnie Burns. All I can say is 
you went through a, a few horrible days with this incredibly irritating thing in your ear, right? <laughs> That's what it's like to talk to you. <laughs> no, you know, the thing is, I've, I had noticed certainly that, I mean, talking, talking to Bonnie... She, she doesn't hear very well. No, I don't. It, 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 <laughs> but what she does is, instead of saying, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, she'll guess what she thinks yes. you said. Absolutely and right. Oftentimes the guess has jack shit to do with what you were talking about. Well, this must have made that worse for a few days because now she had a, she had like a, a tiny little red rubber condom in her ears preventing anything from getting in so we'll be talking and bonnie will say well uh, i'd say i was going to interview somebody about a book and she'll say well did you read the book and i'll say no i didn't finish reading the book and she'll go you fished in a brook <laughs> <laughs> oh my god all right i i need here's what i need i've got my needs on this hundredth show that i feel like we've already destroyed I need to stop thinking about that thing in Bonnie's ear right now. So, well, uh, Adam, what, what she's yes. not telling you is, yes, this happened to be some sort of earbud thing, but she has for a long time used her ears as storage. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bonnie, I got to thank you for sharing that. That's um, it, it, it was a brave thing to do, a very thank brave you. thing to do. <laughs> Dear God, Paula, tell me you have a word. Um, <laughs> yeah. Help us I, out, I, Paula Poundstone. I do have a word. It's uh, The word is slipper, and it means something that might be in Bonnie Burns' ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Adam, Lord. As, as further proof that our 100th episode is like most others, I have a word. Fantastic. It's casuistry. It's a noun that means the use of clever but false reasoning. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. <laughs> Sorry. Her, her, her pro-death penalty arguments are casu casuistry. 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 Okay. Casuistry. Um, okay, so it's, it's a clever but faulty argument. So it sounds clever, like it's but, good, but it, yeah. Precisely. So if you need any more proof that this is a, a show like any other, despite the fact that it's our 100th episode, the proof is this. Here's my vocabulary song. Uh, this week's word is casuistry. It's a noun that means the use of clever but false reasoning. It's not wrong to eat meat if you're using seasoning. Last week's word was augury. It's a noun that means a sign of what will happen in the future, an omen. After the Seder, the kids are going to find the afikomen. The week before that, we had cavil. It's a verb that means make trivial complaints or objections. I don't want a condom on my boyfriend's erections. Going back before that, we had inure. It's a verb that means become used to something, especially something unpleasant, like not being in school to say present. And not long ago, we had pelf. It's a noun that means money, especially when gained dishonestly. There's probably a slice for Hannity. Let's not forget 
call him Moffrey, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused <laughs> jumble or medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think doesn't my song, think is, my song replicable. is replicable. 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 But I do, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, Paula Wonderful, wonderful song. Grandma. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. Uh, Bonnie, did you hear any of that? <laughs> I don't think she did, Paula. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bonnie. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you go to. Back in the day when we could have dinner parties and Bonnie Burns would host a dinner party and, and it was a cool night in, in December, uh, she might say to you, can I take your coat? And you'd say yes, and she'd shove it in her ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were the days. I, ju I just love that at, at no point did Bonnie say to the other human being in her house, her daughter, hey, Ivy, would you take a look in my ear? I did. I said, does my ear look infected? And she said, well, it's swollen. <laughs> but she didn't, she, didn't shine a, she didn't shine a flashlight in it? But why but would me? Ivy know what an infected ear looks like? She's not a doctor, is she? This, this must have looked awful. You know, by the time, well, no, I, it wasn't, I don't think it was infected. By the time I was at the doctor, that thing was so far down in my ear, I guess from swallowing or something. Huh. I guess from swallowing or something? <laughs> well, I don't know how it got so far. This is such a gross story. Yeah, yeah it is. No that, yeah, thing, no, that thing was so far in her ear that she had to have her bowel retracted. <laughs> wow. That's far. Hey, this Paula Poundstone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it is our French Trump, Adam Felbert. Oh, it's French Trump. Welcome to the show, French Trump. You've got your own spinoff, I'm told. I do. Uh, announcing to you, nobody, that I will outsmart the press, the enemy of the people, at another French Trump press conference mini podcast that drops each week on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time and 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Pacific time. There is a three-hour time, a trois-hour time difference, which I calculated with no computer, no scratch paper, because I am a very stable genius. Yes, you're a very I, stable genius. I'm such a stable genius that I put nothing in my ears. No, I don't even listen. That's how little goes in these ears. That's something you have in common with Bonnie Burns. Um, all right. Thanks, French Trump. Coming up, Will Rogers said, if there are no dogs in heaven, then when I die, I want to go where they went. We love our dogs, but what do they really think about us? Canine Cognition with Professor Alexandra Horowitz. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Adam... You know, I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me because uh, of allergies, 
I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really grovelly voice. So he'll, it's, it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay. So earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling <laughs> because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. <laughs> what is not to love? Which brings me to this. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family. You know that already. And you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. Go ahead, ask me. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. That's a lot of pets. True. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, James Madison said, yeah, but what if, nah. All right, we're back. Thank you, house band Lindsay Goodman. Oh, Lindsay Goodman, thank you so much. It sounds great. That's some good flute work there, Lindsay. Thank you so much. Good flouting. Um, Paula, you are in this stay-at-home order thing that we're all doing. Um, how are your dogs bearing up under the strain? I think my dogs are having a good old time. My dog, Mo, unfortunately, well, you know the pod puppy. Pod uh, puppy, of course, who must know, be much bigger now. Uh, she's a giant. But, you know, when I was looking for a, a new puppy, somebody sent me like a picture of a little Labrador. And they said, oh, you could have this puppy. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to lab because I do not want a tennis ball obsessed dog. And yeah. so instead I got my dog, Mo, who is uh, part um, golden retriever and part Newfoundland. And she is the most tennis ball obsessed dog I've ever known in my entire life. She well, why would you get a retriever if you didn't want a dog that was going to get tennis ball obsessed? I mean, I it's in the name. 
I, no, I grew up with a golden retriever, and he, 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 you know, he would play with a tennis ball, but he didn't. It wasn't all he thought about. Uh, so I don't know. I like a dog who does a little fetch, but this is like beyond fetch. No, I hear you. Um, I kind of wish my dog were closer to your dog's end of the spectrum because Luna, our beloved and wonderful cockapoo who turned three this week, um, she'll fetch something maybe twice and then she'll look at you like, why do you keep throwing that shit away? I've brought it to you twice. Now it's your problem. I think Luna is going to point out to you that the third birthday is really not all that meaningful. <laughs> yes, I've... I've <laughs> I bet I bet she will. Yeah. Anyway, for all of us who have pondered what our dog is actually thinking when he looks at us with those mournful eyes, we have a leading expert on canine cognition. Dr. Alexandra Horowitz is a senior research fellow at Barnard College and the author of Inside of a Dog, What Dogs See, Smell, and Know. Also, Being a Dog, Following the Dog into the World of Smell, and most recently, Our Dogs Ourselves. Please welcome Dr. Alexandra Horowitz. <laughs> Hi. Hi Welcome, Dr. Horowitz. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Alexandra, on the CNN website, there's often an ad that they're trying to get you to click on. And it says, find out what your dog is trying to tell you by licking its paws. And I've always <laughs> ignored it. But recently, I've noticed that my dogs do keep licking their paws. <laughs> Are they trying to tell me something? Uh, well, I love that because advertising is all about getting you to obsess about something that actually you don't care at all about, right? Right. So in this case, I think it's actually done you kind of a service. Uh, it's gotten you to notice a perfectly normal and unremarkable behavior <laughs> that maybe you hadn't noticed before. <laughs> I mean, I never I, did. Is no. it like licking their paws or is it kind of like chewing their paws a little bit? Because my, my dog chews her paws. So, I mean, licking is pretty normal. It's part of self-grooming, you know, or also it's part of just keeping themselves busy during the, the many hours in a human household that there's kind of nothing for them to do. So if they are licking to the extent or chewing that the fur is missing or there's raw skin, then I guess they are telling you something, which is go to the vet because maybe they have a skin condition or they're stressed out. Um, otherwise, it's perfectly normal and probably all their... If, if they're not actually making bald patches on their paws, I should just leave Luna alone with that? Yeah. Yeah, they're just trying to kind of bide the time, basically. And maybe it's a way of a little bit getting your attention, get off the CNN website and kind of hang out with me because yeah. it draws your attention to them. But yeah, it's a normal behavior. So when I, uh, you know, when I leave the house, which obviously I don't do very much, but... You know, if I go to the grocery store or go fill up the gas tank or something, I, then I, I put my dogs in their cages and, and they give me that look that apparently means, don't worry about me, I'll just be in here licking my paws. Is that, <laughs> uh, is that correct? <laughs> um, I like how you put it, you, you, you put them in their cages. It's like a crate, right? Yeah. But it is sort of like a cage. It is a cage. Yeah, it's yeah, more, yeah. It's a little cage. Yeah, so they're resigned. We call them crates because so it doesn't sound bad, right? But they it are little cages. It doesn't sound as bad, right? Yeah. You put them in their little zoo. They're, yeah, they're just resigned to it. I mean, they put up with a lot of things from us, including just waiting for the moment when things are going to happen for them, which is usually when we do something with them, right? We take them for a walk. Sure. We interact with them. So they're just resigned to waiting. 
So let me ask you a kind of a more uh, from a thousand feet up question. How do you tell what dogs are thinking? That seems to be what you do. How do you do that? Yeah. I I mean, that's, that is sort of my professional gig. I, I, my interest is really what it's like to be a dog. So what is, what do they perceive? Like, what do they detect in the world? What do they think about? But the only tool I have to do this is just really close observations of how they behave. Well, do you want to get in this cage? And then you'll have a sense. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of abnormal behavior, right? Put them in a natural, sort of a natural setting. So one way I study behavior is I just look at dogs interacting when that kind of thing was happening all the time Mm -hmm. over a long period of time. And I try to see patterns in their behavior. So it tells me something about what they know or understand about each other. So our most recent study, we asked them to, we're interested in if they understand how big they are and if they understand their own size relative to the environment. So well, they, don't. Well, they don't. They don't. They absolutely <laughs> do not. <laughs> yeah, there's no. All right. Well, you well, you solve that for us then. Yeah. No, are we are we right? They they it, it does seem like the biggest dogs think that they can fit on your laps, and the littlest dogs think that they can take down like a pack of wolverines all by themselves. Right. No, I think you're right, but it's but. For instance, in play, when you see a really big dog and a really little dog playing together, the big dog really moderates their attacks of the little dog. Like they don't eat oh. the little dog, you know? They, they, they do what we call self-handicapping, where they, they don't do as forceful a bite or as forceful a jump, or they lie down on the ground and let the little dog kind of walk all over them. And the little That's... dog tries to make themselves bigger by making a lot of noise you know, that really upright posture that like a little chihuahua might have. So they seem to know their size and play together really well, you know, acknowledging that. Maybe my dog Mo is just an asshole because um, I don't, I don't leave, (laughs) I don't leave her alone with my cats, like even in the other room very often because I just, there's something about her that I just don't trust. But I have a couple of really elderly ailing cats that barely, you know, they don't move very much. But they don't seem to have the good sense to get away from the dogs. I, I think it's like end of life behavior. They're just like, go ahead, eat me. But when I go, like I'll be maybe making, I'll be trying to open beans in the kitchen. And when I go into the living room. And that could take a week. That could take a long time. When I go into the living room, I often find my dog Mo with her paw. And this is a big dog. With her paw totally crushing one of these ailing cats and the cat just sort of squished down, not really objecting by the way. And the dog just sort of slowly nibbling her. And you know, wow. she doesn't seem to have a feeling like she's doing anything bad. Um, and I'll go like, Mo, don't eat that cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think she thinks she's playing. And, and she is playing. Yeah, I she is. But, but she seems to have no sense that that cat is so infirmed that a big goddamn dog paw on its head, it can't stand up. Alexandra, but, are some dogs assholes? Um, no. no, no. Okay, that's the greatest thing about dogs is I think they are just all um, lovely creatures. I mean, they put up with humans. What? what, Alexandra, I used to have this theory about human beings, and I taught it to my kids, too. I always told them there's no such thing as a bad person. There's, you know, good people that sometimes make, you know, either bad choices or just didn't understand what they did or blah, blah, blah. I've changed that recently, and you might yeah. rethink it. <laughs> I mean, dogs don't 
I don't think they try to do things badly. Some are rude a little bit, you know, some are like yeah. push boundaries, but you know, I got to give it to them. They're in this totally foreign environment with all, you know, all these different species and they have to figure out the rules of this whole other species and they more or less do okay, you know? And I feel like that's a credit to them. That's true. That is true. Okay, but what about this, Alexandra? The other day I was in the kitchen trying to open a can of beans and I came into the living room and my dog Mo had a MAGA hat on. What about that? <laughs> oh, well, there goes your theory, Alexandra. <laughs> I, think she, problem. I think she knew exactly what she was doing. Now, Alexandra, let's talk about something that, that fewer humans do, which is uh, peeing on stuff. Uh, talk about, you know, dogs, they'll, they'll go, they'll sniff, sniff around the neighborhood, they'll, they'll pee on other dogs' pee. It's not marking their territory. It seems more like sending, what's going on there? It's actually kind of a brilliant question because it gets at the heart of all these things we kind of misunderstand about dogs. We get these like really sticky ideas about dogs, like, oh, dogs are trying to be the alpha in our family or dogs are marking their territory. And, and you're right. That's not right. It's just some myth. Dogs, dogs do kind of mark, meaning they're peeing in a place or a way that'll be noticed by other dogs because they're, it's a way of leaving information about themselves. In their urine is just who they are, basically. It's their identity. It's their health. It's their sex. It's what they've eaten recently. And they leave it in places where other dogs will notice it, a kind of dog bulletin board. So It's like a resume? The dog's leaving, leaving its resume? Like a calling card, right. If, if they're smelling another dog's pee, then they're not trying to cover it because it's their territory if they pee there too. It's that they're noticing, hey, this is a really good place to leave a smell, like because oh, okay. I noticed it, so I'm going to leave my smell here too. Maybe it covers up someone else's, maybe it doesn't. It's yeah, you know, it's like a little bulletin board with all those little cards stuck on it. You know, my dog. Uh, I had a dog named Cal at one point, and he, 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 it was so hard to walk him because you know he was forever stopping to sniff and the thing is it was a really active dog and so i wanted him to walk when we were walking to wear him out a little bit and uh you could tell that he thought he was a great hunter like a great tracker he would find actual dog waste on the sidewalk and stop and sniff for a really long time as if he was saying to me you know i think another dog was here <laughs> i figured that out Cal. thanks but I mean, the thing is, I really love that and that it's some level you allowed him to sniff because that's their whole world. Their world is about, go, it's, you know, going out for a walk. We go out for a walk like, let's have a good walk. You know, let's get around the block or let's get home before I got to do that other thing. And they're, when they go outside, they're like, whoa, it just smells so amazing here. There are all these things to investigate. And I think that's like the ideal walk for the dog is where they just trot along and then they sniff something for as long as they want to sniff it and kind of get a sense of who's been by, you know. So that's why they love walks more than the, uh, than say hanging out in the backyard. It's for yeah, them, it's, it's like they get the overwhelmed time. with smells. Okay. Yeah. No, it's then I, exciting. I do a mean walk. I don't, I don't let my dog stop and smell things usually because I want to be the pack leader and say when we're stopping. But that's mean. Otherwise, they take my shoulder out of the socket because we'll be making, you know, pretty good time. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, there's a smell here. And uh, and they're anchored to the ground and, and I fly forward. Um, so how do you deal with that? What do you uh, aren't I the pack leader? 
No, not really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not a, the analogy to wolf behavior doesn't work for dogs. I mean, there's no, I mean, you are in charge, so you can do that. And dogs are here. I will harken back to my previous comment. Good enough that they will just deal with whatever we say is going to happen with them, right? Like you want to have a fast walk, you want to take them for a run, they'll just deal with it as much as they can. But for them, that's like, you know, smelling is the exciting thing about the walk. And, gotcha. and you know, there's, that's their social world. It's like you're going for, you're driving past the Grand Canyon and you're like, look, it's the Grand Canyon. And someone like slams the window shut, and like turns your head the other way. We would say, wow. but this is the point of being here to like smell, to see this. And for dogs, I think that's what it's like. It's always these like olfactory fireworks all around them. They're excited about it. And we They're can just say like, you know what? We're, getting, we're going home. We're going home as fast as we can. But, you know, I, I kind of take the approach, which is the dogs. Like, this is what they want to do. Uh, I'm going to let them do it. But gotcha. then when later that night they're squirrely because they didn't get enough exercise, they're like, they're like, geez, you know, you only walk me a few feet. I don't, I don't. Well, not every walk has to be a sniffing walk, you know, maybe like they have a sniffing walk. And so with my dogs, they have a time when they can run around like mad. And then another time where we just do these really slow sniffing walks where you have to be really patient and just imagine all the exciting things that they're smelling, even though to us, it looks like nothing, you know, and or have, it looks like you know, dog turds, we think, but that's, that's interesting to them. Have you taken your dogs to smell the Grand Canyon? <laughs> they, I think, I feel like they are every day smelling the Grand Canyon. I took my cat to the Grand Canyon. What do you mean you took your cat to the Grand Canyon? What did they do? Well, when Jeannie and I were, were driving across the country to move to L.A., uh, it was just the two of us and our cat Horatio in the back seat. And, and he got really comfortable riding in the car and looking out the window and stuff. And when we got to the Grand Canyon, I was like, I can't let this cat pass up the chance to see the Grand Canyon. So I, I, I picked him up and walked him to, to the view. You know what? That explains why when I took donkeys down to the base of the Grand Canyon, there was a dead cat there. <laughs> no, he didn't die. I didn't drop him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kind of, hey, um, Alexandra, let's talk about instincts for a second, because dogs do a bunch of stuff that they couldn't have learned from anybody, but they all seem to do the same thing. What are instincts? Where are they in a dog's brain? What's up with instincts? Instincts, which we have, too, are just a reflexive behavior that's for a long time in psychology was distinguished from these cognitive or kind of more sophisticated thought out behaviors. The instincts are the things that don't really require the brain per se. So, you know, I see a lion, I don't sit around and think, hey, what's that? It's like some kind of large feline, you know, maybe I should take cover. I just run. I just run. It happens right away. That's instinct. Uh, would, so the older would, parts of the brain. Would a human like, being have that instinct? Oh, yeah. Oh, we have plenty of reflexive behaviors. Any, I mean, if you see a, a lion, well, maybe that's just me. But when I, if I the lion just wandered into this room with me, I would have this instinct to get away from the lion. I wouldn't just kind of sit there and cogitate on what's happening to me. Now, if, you, felt, if you found that you suddenly had a, an object lodged in your ear, would you instinctively <laughs> take it out? 
sounds like there's more to that story. Yeah, there yeah. is. <laughs> there is. Before you came on, we found out that our that our uh, producer Bonnie Burns, Captain Crinkle, had a, a a piece of an earbud in her ear for what I guess sounded like a week. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Evolutionarily, it would be most adaptive to, yes, investigate that strange foreign object in your ear. (laughs) You'd you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. You would think so, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Emily Dickinson said, dogs are better than human beings because they know but do not tell. Stay tuned to hear more about what dogs know, but do not tell us. Uh, That and our listeners help us celebrate our 100th episode when we return. The Cat of the Week is Flurkin from Drum, Pennsylvania. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There, there's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds, yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft (laughs) and and so comfortable honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. and they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European, and you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, fourteen karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? 
They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. And we're back with Dr. Alexandra Horowitz and The Mind of a Dog. Hey, Alexandra, one of your uh, books is entitled Inside of a Dog. Is that a homage to Groucho Marx? It is. Yes, precisely. <laughs> okay. All right. Trying to illuminate so. the darkness inside there. Fantastic. <laughs> hey, my dogs stand around uh, in the backyard, and even if they're in the house, they insist on going in the backyard when people are in the alley because there's so much more foot traffic now with people trying to get out. Um, I find it annoying. Are, am I supposed to let them do that or not? Bark at people who goes by. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think it is, it's funny because the bark probably developed um, in dogs in order to kind of match human language. In other words, wolves do not bark for the most part. No other canids really bark. No other member of the dog family. Coyotes howl, but this barking behavior is mostly just dogs. So at some point in human history, we probably encouraged them to do this because we wanted them to be good guard dogs. Mm -hmm. And so now we have the, you know, the generations after that who feel like this is the right thing to do. And at some level, it's kind of not their fault. There's not a lot you can do about it except for redirect their behavior. So the thing you could best do is just like change our own attitude about it. What the, I think barking started to look different to me when I realized how many different types of barks there are. So, you know, there are guarding barks. It's really different than a play bark. It's really different than a, this food is mine bark. Mm -hmm. It's different than a, I'm by myself. I've been left alone in my, by myself in the house bark, the isolation bark. So there are all these really different types of barks and that makes it seem more communicative and then and less just noisy when they do it. That's true. My dog has different barks. It's definitely uh, an aggressive one until she recognizes the person at the door and then it gets all high-pitched and greeting-like. I mean, they're telling you, like, I've noticed something and they're kind of surprised that you're not all excited about their observation. Well, wouldn't it be enough then, Alexandra, to say to them, yes, I see it, thank you. <laughs> well, when you open the door, I mean, then often they will stop barking. Like it's your, that's the way you acknowledge. They don't understand our, you know, they understand our behaviors better than our language, just the same way we understand their behaviors better than their language. You know, I don't really like it that you keep siding with the dog. <laughs> I am on the dog's side. I make no I have, about a, I have a friend whose dog um, eats its waste. And yeah. when you say friend, you mean who? Uh, 
she, well, I'll give you a hint. She can't hear right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, so Bonnie Burns, who shall remain nameless, has a dog who um, who eats poop, not both its own and other dogs. In science, we call that coprophagia, so that we don't have to say they eat poop. We say it's coprophagia. <laughs> and, and um, that's a really normal behavior, unfortunately, because among dogs, that there are a lot of nutrients in the poop of other dogs, in the poop of humans that have left the poop behind the tree. You know, there, there's just a lot of nutrients still in that poop. And so, so if you've got a poop eater of a dog, you've just got a poop eater of the dog. There's nothing you can do about it. You you can do something about it, which but it takes a lot, lot of effort. Basically, you have to be on like poop surveillance. And when you notice poop out there in the world you have to distract your dog with an even better treat than this delicious poop popsicle. So if you do that repeatedly, then when they start smelling it, then they'll look to you, be like, okay, I smell the poop. Like, where's my delicious non-poop treat? But if you, it, it kind of requires you to be on the lookout for poop of other dogs or of your dog, which most people don't want to do that. So it takes a oh, lot of I can of guarantee you Bonnie's not going to do that. <laughs> no, um, there is a specific breed that eats uh, waste, and it's uh, it's called a uh, short hair waste not want not. <laughs> is that what it's called, Paula? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's move on to some some myths or or some things about dogs that have recently been updated. One is we were all raised to believe that dogs are colorblind. That's not what we think anymore, is it? No, no, that's not true. That's another one of those like sticky facts that we've just believe about dogs, because I guess it sounded good. That is not in any way true. Dogs aren't colorblind. They have um, two color vision. So humans have three different types of cells in the eyes called cones that fire to colors. That's what creates all our Kodachrome colors that we see in the world. We have a, one that fires to red and one to blue and one that fires to green. Dogs just have two. One that's kind of fires to blue and the other one that fires to like a greenish yellow. So they experience a color most strongly when it's in the range of blue and green, but they can so still they, see they don't things. see red that well. Not, not the way we do. I think that's the thing. I think when I think of an analogy to it, it's, it's kind of like at dusk when colors seem less strong to us, you know, yes. when the sun starts going down. I think my, my guess is their experience is a little bit more like that, but they can still tell the difference sometimes between red and yellow things because they are differently bright, you know, um, they have different levels of saturation, but they do see colors. Um, I, don't, I think it's, we didn't think they did because, oh, we thought they're just good smellers. So they probably are basically blind, right? Like we don't have that much of an imagination when it comes to other animals' perceptions. Wow. Paula, she's taking the dog side again. Yeah, honestly, you can, <laughs> you know what? I thought they were colorblind because when I showed my dogs the Wizard of Oz, they could give a shit. <laughs> even at that big moment right right even when she oh. comes out the door in oz or on her way to oz and everything's you know colorful like that they didn't care at all well you and two can agree back. to disagree then i showed them on a vcr so i rewound and i said no look do you see how it's dark it's black and white and then she comes out of the house and it's color and they just looked at me uh and sniffed they not all not all dogs are big judy garland fans i've i found that so that might have been what was going on there all um, right alexandra um, my dog, Mo, uh, I used to bring her with me back when we were in a studio. I used to bring her with me every week 
to uh, to record, um, mostly because I couldn't leave her alone. She was too little to be left alone for as long a time as we were at the studio. Um, and so, uh, you know, this was, and she seemed like she liked it. Went every week. She, she was very, uh, very friendly and well-loved by the people in the studio. And, um, and then one day she's changed. And everybody who would come into the studio, she would need to bark at them and growl. And I mean, like, you know, kind of aggressive. Mm. Uh, what do you think? And now she's terrible with strangers. What do you think happened? So how old was she when this happened? A um, couple months. So dogs more, more, more like six or seven months, I think, when she's turned. The thing is, dogs go through an adolescence that's apparently very similar to to human adolescence, and it's at about that age. That's the only time I will say that dogs are kind of jerks. That's the moment where they there's a thing, a thing you want them to do, and they start saying, "What? I didn't, you know, I didn't hear you. You want me to really? come? Wow! Yeah. So they, they usually go back after that, and they become more trainable and susceptible. But they have that time of adolescent teenagerhood. Wow! So six six to nine months is exactly the time that that would have happened. That's so interesting because you know what? When she was a puppy, um, her sit was so good, it was adorable. I mean, I said sit, and by God, that butt was on the floor. <laughs> and down took a little bit longer, but not much. And now she's uh, a little bit over a year, and she'll do what you tell her, but she, she's definitely thinking it over first. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, Total teenage behavior. Now she's probably in a place where she could, you could train her to do those things again. You might need, a, she might need a little more incentive, but you kind of have to recreate it if you want to do it now. No, we train every night. Mm. Um, and what's funny too is she, what I train her to do when she knows I use one of those little uh, treat things that clips on your belt. Mm -hmm. She sees that thing. And she's like, oh, yeah, so I'll sit now. Or, okay, you want me to go down. But if we're outside and I don't have that thing, the likelihood is that she won't do what I asked her. Because she's not going to get a reward. You know, the great, there was a psychologist in the beginning of the 20th century named B.F. Skinner, right, who, yeah. who oh, trained yeah. these pigeons and stuff. He, he had a trick, which is, is actually very useful with um, training dogs, which is he kept all his pigeons like a third underfed. He basically didn't kept them hungry all the time. And so then they would basically try to figure out anything they could do to get the food. Oh, interesting. And so when you want to train a dog to do something that's important, like come when called, um, it's easiest to train them to do that when they're a little bit hungry. Because oh, okay. then you have something really desirable. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll keep that in mind. That 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 might be very helpful. Yeah, one third just, less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, let me just ask you one more thing because I think it's so fascinating. I bet you must have read about this because um, I think this this broke within the last year or so. Talk to us about dog eyebrows. Oh, the eyebrows of the dog is some one of my favorite parts of the dog. So, th there was this research that showed that dogs who could raise their eyebrows. Um, and it's those little sort of puffy, I mean, it's where the eyebrows are. They just don't look like human eyebrows. Those little puffy parts on the inside and above the eyes yeah. um, were faster to be adopted um, out of a shelter than dogs who couldn't. And in fact, they have a muscle 
in their eyebrows that that wolves do not have. So they I over love time that. they have developed a muscle in their eyebrows to basically just be appealing to humans. They do cute things with their eyebrows. It's so cute. Yes. We did that to them basically by like always selecting, oh, like this one's a little cuter. I'm not sure why, but continuing to breed that one. And it turned out that was the eyebrow-y one, you know? Gosh, I didn't, I I never, I hadn't heard that eyebrow thing. So we could choose like a random trait, right? And just make it a thing. Yes. You know? That's the kind of crazy thing about breeding is that we have kind of created random things and made them a thing like we have all these really flat face dogs now you know oh. who have almost no nose at all like the pug oh, right yeah that's because at some point we were like you know what i really like dogs whose faces are all smushed up like that and yep. we started breeding more and more of them and now we have dogs who's you know they're never going to grow a nose basically right. they're always going to have that flat face it's because they were all winston churchill fans and they, yes. they bred dogs to be like that <laughs> um hey let's just bring things full circle right now and talk about talking speaking of, of behaviors that we breed in is there anything paula can do to make her dog less obsessed with tennis balls i say it's a retriever and it's always going to love the tennis balls yeah no that's true it's like in fact probably the eyes of that dog are especially sensitive to little bouncy things along the horizon. That's the thing about dogs like that have retriever in them is they, they actually have more cells in the middle of their eye along the horizon. So they're really, really sensitive to like the little squirrel running away or the ball bouncing along the horizon. And they, that's not going to turn off until basically they have cataracts and they can't see as well. Oh, well, I don't wish that for her. Um, no. <laughs> well, I enjoy I enjoy throwing the tennis ball for her, and we have an automatic tennis ball shooter thing uh, that that I like playing with with her. But I mean, my thing is, I just can't stand that every single time I come out of my bedroom, she's you know right underfoot, like just now. Are we going to throw the ball now? Could we do it now? You said earlier that we were going to throw the ball. Um, so I, yeah. I I wouldn't mind a break from it sometimes. Sometimes dogs who are really good at retrieving are also really good at other types of dog sports if you actually wanted to do other types of things with her, which is, you know, like um, agility, where they kind of go through tunnels and go over hurdles. And it's actually these very great acrobatic sports. And it's just that this is a thing your dog knows how to do with you. Mm -hmm. I feel it's sort of like very appealing. Like, here's the thing we do together. Like, I give you the ball and you throw it and I bring it back. We do that again. And if there were other things. So so your advice to Paula is let your dog sniff the tree and throw the damn ball already. (laughs) Suck it up, Paula Poundstone. No, I like this idea about the agility thing. I I think it would be fun to build like a thing in the back. Uh, An obstacle course? Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be great. Those things are cool. Yeah. I like that idea. I did. And I have a video online about this. Um, I did train her to um, uh, clean out and organize my linen closet. (laughs) That's a good activity. That's always a good activity. Yeah, she's fantastic (laughs) at it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dr. Horowitz, for making sure we don't bark up the wrong tree. And now we're going to take that information and run it through the old Poundstonator. Paula? Thank you. And hey, Lindsay Goodman, house band Lindsay Goodman, if you could give me a little of that beautiful flute music. I'll tell you what I learned. Clearly, I've been guilty of forcing my dogs to live in my human world with little understanding of their world. That ends now. 
The next time someone knocks on my front door, all three of us, me and my two dogs, are going to run to the door and jump up and down yelling, there's someone on the other side of the door. I'm sure of it. Go to the window and see. Now go back to the door. Now go back to the window. Now go back to the door. Now go back to the window. Now go back to the door. <laughs> and instead of getting exercise on a boring old walk, I'll just bring a chair out to the alley and open all the trash can lids. <laughs> Then maybe we'll stroll over to a tree and smell some profiles. <laughs> Looks like a five-year-old Labradoodle who enjoys puzzles and smelling butts is on this site. Oh, and an older Chihuahua who enjoys trembling, snarling, and dressing up and only wants to date bigger dogs. Ooh, this smells interesting. A seven-year-old West Highland Terrier who's seeking approval and expressive eyebrows. And finally, <laughs> instead of bringing my dogs in when they bark, I'm gonna run right to the fence and say, I live here, get the fuck out of this alley. Don't even think about walking in this alley ever again. <laughs> that was great, Paula. Her latest book is Our Dogs Ourselves. Dr. Alexandra Horowitz, thank you so much for coming by and enlightening us. My pleasure. Thanks. Great to have you here. Thank you very much. I, I want to check in with you sometime and tell you how all my improved behaviors are. <laughs> my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll be back with more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone after this. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. 
How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, Paula, we did it. A hundred shows. I know you're not counting, but to me, I think that's pretty darn good. A hundred shows, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's one better than 99. Uh, you know, and- I, <laughs> I... So I had this. I had this idea. I had this idea that we should have Tony post a question on our Facebook page for, for the nobodies. Um, asking, you know, since we've done, you know, we will have done a hundred episodes and it was like a joke question, right? I know. I have a copy of that question right here. If you want to hear it, it said, nobody's, we are approaching a hundred episodes. Have you listened to all a hundred episodes? And if not, why? So what I meant was that they would say like, oh, you know, there was so much laundry to do or, you know, traveling all over the world or, you know, got a lot of kids. I thought they would be like, you know, studying seven languages. Who has time for podcasts? Uh, That was what I was thinking of. And it didn't occur to me until after people started posting stuff on Facebook that their their interpretation was because it sucks. Uh, I I don't think that's fair. And we did go ahead and ask them what they'd like for the next hundred shows as well. Um, But yeah, we did get a a menagerie of different kinds of answers. Most of them very, very nice. But just to read a sampling of them, let's bring to the mic our own Tony Anita Hall. Tony. Yay, Tony. Yeah. (laughs) Tony, are you at your desk? I am at my desk. I am at my desk. 
I love that you're at your desk. If you if you stand up, you'll you'll be in your kitchen. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. Yeah, correct. It's a, um, all right. Okay. So what do we? So what do we have, Tony? Okay. The first one comes from, and I'm gonna try these names. I hope I don't butcher them. Um, Joseph Kwiatkowski. Uh, he wrote. Certainly, we've been waiting since November of 2018 for our cat to be cat of the week. But the man who is on every show will not pick her. We did get her a Poundstone pussy pillow, though, so she has been consoled. Okay, so this is a complaint more than anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. He kind of uh, threw is, in is, there. And, and by the way, thanks for the purchase of the Poundstone pussy pillow, Joseph. But it does sound like the way he interpreted it was, you know, you know, why aren't you? And, and his answer was because... My goddamn cat never gets her name mentioned. That was his. Yeah, that was that was definitely the subtext. In fact, I wouldn't even call that subtext. I would I would call it text. Um, yeah, it was right out there. And, and I and I, I will say this to Joseph uh, Kwiatkowski, um, Joseph. I read the cat of the week, but. I am not the selector of the cat of the week. The, the selection process for cat of the week is a lot more complicated than you'd think. And uh, we're not going into that, but it's a complicated process. It's a big responsibility. And I am not the selector of the cat well, of the like, week. Like many institutes of higher learning, we're turning away from the SAT. Yes. Um. <laughs> because that model was um, helping out a certain kind of privileged cat. That's exactly right. The Persians. Yeah, exactly. The Persians and a couple of the cats of the week. Um, Paula, I hate to announce this, but I think we have to say um, a couple of you might have photoshopped your cat doing activities that it doesn't really do. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, people have written to me over time and back when I used to work in theaters where large groups gathered and I would say things I thought were funny and then they would laugh. Um, yeah, stand up. Sometimes at those events. uh Sometimes at those events, people would come up to me and say, how do I get to my cat to be cat of the week? And I would just be honest with them. I would say, you know, it's a lot of responsibility for a cat. Yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure your cat is ready? You know, um, yeah. I mean, it's these it's these stage mother and stage father cat owners that think that their cat can handle anything that can sometimes yeah. get them into a little trouble when it comes to things like cat of the week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that one cat, Little Miss Sunshine, um, she was, she was good. Uh, all right. Yeah. Who, what else we got, Tony? Um, Michael Carley wrote, missed the first few because I was waiting for live from the Poundstone Institute to come back. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So, so wait a minute. So Michael, <laughs> what kind of, I want to be gentle about this. Bonnie, please cover your object filled ears. Um, Michael, what the Bonnie fuck? Bonnie didn't actually hear what Michael, what, what Tony, Tony read. What, what, what Bonnie heard was fuck you and the horse you rode in on. <laughs> and that's because she has a, a thing stuck. She has a Monopoly piece stuck in her ear. Yeah. Um, ever I'm just, since I'm just we hoping did, to God it's the iron and not the shoe. Well, it's ever since we did the episode with the guy who was the um, Monopoly champion. Remember that? Yeah. That yeah. was like episode 12 or something. Do you remember he had that, he carried his Monopoly piece in like a little jewelry box that he opened up? 
Yes, and he had a piece that was painted on the top the same color as the Monopoly board. That's exactly so that, right. And he yeah. wrote to us afterwards and said he couldn't find it. Oh, yeah. Bonnie. <laughs> Bonnie. Is that true? Bonnie, do you want to just... <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie, do I, think wanna... I think it's time to look in your other ear. Yeah. Do you want to turn your head sideways and kind of pound? <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get back to Michael, though. Um, so you were waiting for more episodes of our first podcast, uh, Live from the Poundstone Institute, and so chose not to listen to the actual podcast we were doing. Yeah. Yeah, there's some sour grapes here. Um, uh, well, actually, Michael, thank you very much for having enjoyed live from the Poundstone Institute. Me and Adam enjoyed doing it as well, but um, we really did. It was really fun. It was, it was costly, um, because there were excellent sound engineers. This is before we realized, um, you know, Bonnie kept saying, I don't hear it. I don't hear it. And so we, (laughs) we had, We just kept bringing in more and more expensive sound engineers. That's exactly right. And then, lo and behold, we find out years later that that Bonnie had an an, you know an entire um, an entire package of frozen corn in her ears. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever? You know, when you've gone to NPR, have you ever gotten one of those like NPR buttons that you can like pin on your jacket? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, don't put them in your ears. Um, yeah. I don't know why she has to be told. All right, Tony, what, what else? Let's just keep um, hearing from our listeners. Yep. Hatef Keshvati wrote, I stopped at episode 85-ish. A lot of jokes are just repetitive and not funny anymore. Sad face. Wow. Now, I want to underscore that a lot of you wrote really nice things. A lot of you wrote really nice things, but but Hatef Keshvati, um, since you're not listening, I think Paul and I both have a message for you. No, frankly, this is my favorite one so far. Just no, there's no there's no subtlety, just down and dirty. Just a lot of the jokes are just repetitive and not funny anymore. I gotta. But I mean, I agree with you. I, I like that. I like I like his honesty. But what I have to ask, Paul, and I know you must be wondering this too, is if yeah. you stopped listening 15 episodes ago, what the fuck are you doing on our Facebook page answering questions? <laughs> yeah, that is weird. She stopped listening because the jokes were he, repetitive. But apparently yeah. the Facebook page is just... Fresh every day. It, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> she's finding things on the Facebook page that she never even conceived of. Uh, every single day, a fresh array of humor that one, uh, yeah, a lot of jokes are just repetitive and not funny anymore. And let me just point out, my favorite part is that she did the thing with the colon and the um, parenthesis. Uh, sad face. To make, to make a sad face. Right. Not funny anymore. <laughs> wow. Which. All right. Well, yeah. The unkindest cut. Now, I don't know if this yeah. is a, I haven't seen the post, so I don't know if this is a man or a woman, but wow, Hatef. Oh, it's a woman. Wow. It's, it's a woman. Yeah, it's definitely a woman. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because I, do men do those goofy colon and then the parenthesis face? 
Um, no, we don't, because that would be not very masculine. That's right. Men, <laughs> men don't have that depth of feeling. For men, it would be an angry face. God damn it, the jokes are repetitive and not funny anymore. Fuck you guys. All but right, Tony, for, you got more? Let's, I'm loving this. Well, this is helping us mark this milestone. Go. Oh, okay. Oh, good. Oh, break it out. <laughs> um, Andrea Hope wrote, yep, but because you asked, I'll be honest, that I'm not so into the movie reviews. <laughs> the thing I like the best is Career Corner because it's informative and funny. It would be cool if Paul and Adam reviewed documentary films so we could potentially learn something new. While having a laugh. Wow. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, Andrea, thank you so much for your feedback. Again, we weren't asking for this. Is, we didn't post a How My Driving sticker on our bumper. <laughs> we really weren't this asking is, for any of you no, to bitch is, at us. This is entirely my fault, though. Because, I, like, when I, when I saw what was coming in, I realized how, like, wrong my interpretation was of the words that I, you know, like I really thought people were going to write us like funny jokes about oh, what they were oh, busy with. You, to you know, be fair, like I, a lot of people did. A lot of people did. Know, people would write like, I'm memorizing every every lyric to all the Beatles songs, just don't have time. But instead, you know, I don't really like the movie reviews. <laughs> Now, in Just, fairness, we had we did get a couple of listeners that said what they wanted from the next hundred episodes was more movie reviews. Yeah, but Andrea didn't say that. Uh, Andrea Hope's fondest hope is that we never we never do another goddamn movie review unless. <laughs> Unless it's a documentary. Andrea, I just have to point out one thing. When we're trying to choose a movie to review in order to tell people, the idea is that we're telling you whether you should watch another movie. Um, and, right. and so we review a movie that's somehow related, perhaps. Um, right. But It's a thin order, read to hang it on, but yes. And, and, no, it's great. But in order to, <laughs> in order to do that... It's helpful if people are a little bit familiar with the film that you're reviewing. Yeah. And, you know, and who has, like, a, a long list of beloved documentaries <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you know... Oh, oh, I have to go. I, I'm really enjoying this party, but I have to leave early because Adam and Paula are reviewing Shoah tonight. Yeah. And that should be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't they, think they, Andrew, yeah, they were re, they were reviewing Svetlana's story, which let people know what it was like to have lupus in Nazi Germany. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's. <laughs> and then we could potentially learn about that while having a laugh. I, I, I think what you're going to find, Andrea Hope, is that a lot of documentaries um, don't lend themselves to big laughs. It's true. Yeah, just something I've noticed. Um, yeah. Um, you know. Okay, Tony, give us another one. Um, this is from Julie. Wait, I have to Dan say one more thing to Andrea Hope. <laughs> okay, Andrea Hope, sit back up. Andrea Hope, the other thing is, We've done like four or or five. I don't know how many you guys. Five movie reviews out of a hundred. So are you telling me you watched all ninety five other shows, and it was just those? No, I think 
that you haven't been watching and that you're trying to lay blame like goddamn Trump. Is it Obama that made you not watch? The, it, it, that's what I think. She's blaming Obama for her She's own failure. She's just trying to, to lay blame for not watching. Okay, go ahead, Tony. You need a no, no, no. Let, let's continue lambasting our listener base. Keep going, Tony. <laughs> um, Julianne Mangan wrote, I've listened to them all except for French Trump press conferences. I really don't like French Trump. Am I allowed to say that in this comment stream? I don't want to get in trouble with Paula like the other guy did. Julianne, you can say whatever fucking thing you want to say. <laughs> Yeah, Julianne. But honestly, you you observed that somebody took that to, um, took exception to French Trump. Yeah. And no, got, you and know what, Julianne? It was my fault for phrasing the question that way. But you know, we did say, "Have you listened to all 100 episodes?" And frankly, the French Trump press conferences, although I encourage people to listen to them because they can be funny to other people other than Julianne Mangan. <laughs> But um, we don't count them in the 100 episodes, Julianne. So the truth is, Julianne, you didn't even need to bring them up. So, Paula, Julianne heard someone else criticizing French Trump and getting kind of excoriated by you for it. And yet she chose to sign in and um, and do this again. Yeah. You know what? She's a risk taker. Uh, She's uh, (laughs) a... She, um, she, what is that uh, parkour thing they do in Israel? She started that. The parkour thing. Yeah, France, as, as I think where it started, but I, I'm sure they do it in Israel as well. Um, yeah, now, yeah, she does She does that, jumping off buildings and doing flips and shit. Yeah, uh, she started to do the, I mean, I mean, she decided to take on French Trump, and parkour is French, so that, I guess that's apropos. But she didn't have to no. at all mention no. the French Trump stuff. Julian, you did not have to say you did not like French Trump. Oh, look, it's that French was, Trump here to defend that his own was podcast. Not very, the, the French Trump is, you know, the, the French Trump press conference is not even part of Nobody Listens to Paula Pastern. It's a separate, it's a separate mini podcast. So the question was not even about that, Julian. <laughs> That's right. And you know what? Um, French Trump actually makes a very cogent point here because we have numbered these episodes. We're at number 100, but that's not counting French Trump. So Julianne actually went above and beyond the call of duty here to to crap on French Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, Julianne, that's like saying, um, uh, do you, which, which Rocky which Rocky is your favorite Rocky movie? And saying, well, I hated Ali movie. <laughs> right, exactly. Do you, which, yeah. What's your favorite Rocky movie? Well, Rhinestone sucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyways, thank you, Julianne. Well, uh, thank you, Julianne. Tony, I th- are there fact, any others, th- Tony? Thank you to all the nobodies uh, for writing in. And I deserve whatever I got there. Uh, it was entirely my fault. <laughs> for phrasing the question that way. Adam, answer the phone. What, really? Uh, Are we yeah. still doing our 100th caller contest? Okay. Uh, I, yeah, well, of course we're still doing the 100th, 100th caller contest. Uh, absolutely. All right. But a- answer the phone. Fine. Hello? Uh, hello, uh, Adam. This is uh, Nan Mumford from uh, Hutchton, Maine. 
uh, Nan Mumford. Nan Mumford from Hodgson Menu asked if we had listened to all 100 shows. Uh, I'm calling to yes, say that Yes, I did, Nan, I, and thanks, thanks for calling. Oh, my, it's my pleasure. Uh, I, I didn't listen to all 100 shows. Oh, okay, Nan. Well, you can leave it at that. You don't have to tell us why. I was busy. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, now I'm curious because that's just who I am. Nan Mumford from Maine. Uh, what were you busy doing? Here in Maine, Adam, half the year we're scraping off our, uh, the ice off our windshields. And half the year we spend pulling our galoshes and other belongings out of the mud. You, you, you step out of your house one day in the spring and you sink right down in the mud. Only the strongest toes can hold galoshes on. A lot of us okay. older folks, our toes will cramp up and we lose our galoshes. <laughs> Fortunately, the good people of Maine will rally around and help you retrieve your galoshes. So we make a human chain and the whole community heave hose. But of course, once you get your own galoshes back, you want to help the others get theirs and their children and their trucks okay. and their furniture. No gotcha. time for listening to podcasts. Then why are you calling, Nan? Because <laughs> you asked. You asked. Uh, all right, I got to go, Adam. <laughs> okay, I, I gotta, well, thank you. I, I got to go. There's a truck stuck in the mud right out front of my house. <laughs> well, that was interesting. Adam, answer the phone. Another call this quick? Yeah. Um, okay, Hello. Hello. Is this where you call to say why you don't listen to this shit? Um, <laughs> for the sake of argument, I think today it is. Um, who is this calling? Oh, this is Dennis Scorcher. Are you wearing Dennis... a mask? Are you wearing uh, no, a mask? I'm not... No, I'm not you... currently wearing a mask, Dennis. You, you do, though, don't you? You wear a mask. Yes, I do wear that... a mask. Well, that's why I don't listen to this shit. I ain't listening to no mask-wearing Nelly. You ever been hit in the head by a hoofed animal? No, never. You mean I like kicked so. by a horse? Exactly. Exactly. I didn't think you had. I tell you what. I shot me a big motherfucking elk one time. Killed him dead and he kicked me right in the head. My teeth fell out. If I'd had a mask on, I would have choked on my teeth. So... Don't you I'll wear a mask for safety me, you Nelly. I tell you what. Wow. <laughs> yeah. These meat D packers wearing their goddamn masks. The meat should be labeled in the grocery. Packed by a bunch of mask-wearing Nellies. I don't want Nelly. that Nelly mask-wearing <laughs> packed meat. I shoot my own meat. I'm not listening to this shit. I tell you what. Yeah. That, what, Dennis? That Hatef Keshvati. She's got the right idea. A lot of your jokes are just rep, rep, repetitive and not funny anymore. You know what? I want to say one thing to you, you goddamn Nelly. Colon What's parenthesis. What? Colon parenthesis. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, if you don't say which parentheses, I don't know if you're smiling or frowning at me, Dennis. I'm frowning at you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for God. calling, Dennis. I I, I think God. you were probably the, yeah. Well, you mask wearing Nelly, I gotta go. I don't have time for this. 
Okay, well, clearly you don't. Yeah, if, if anybody cares, I, I believe Dennis was our 75th caller in our um, 100th caller contest. I ain't calling contest. for that contest. I'm just calling to die. I don't want to hang out with you after the game. I'm just calling <laughs> because Hattef calls me sometimes. That's why Hattef calls me. Uh, our she former says, listener, Hasef Keshvati, you're talking about. She said, I say, how you doing, Hattef? And she says, I've been listening, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. And she said, you know why nobody listens? Because it's repetitive and boring and a lot of jokes aren't funny. That's why. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to this shit with a fucking horse hoof to my head. I wouldn't listen to this shit. I gotta go. Well, that, I don't have time for that. Not how you listen anyway, but thanks for calling. No. All okay. right, call in parenthesis. I'm going to take that as a smile. Okay. Well, um, Tony, it is that all that you have? It wasn't a smile. It was a frown. It was <laughs> just one way the other <laughs> Jesus, you can't even read a room. It was a, a colon and a frown in parentheses. We get it, Dennis. All right. It's good talking to you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> That's Southern polite right there. Tony, does that conclude our 100th episode segment? Yes. All right. <laughs> well, Tony, Bonnie, Paula, Landromo, all the nobodies out there, happy 100th. I've been here, as Paula likes to point out, every week. Adam. Yeah? You know, in honor of our 100th episode, because it yeah. means so much to me. You've already spelled out exactly what it means to you, but go ahead. I have prepared a simple, simple dialogue because, Adam, fortunately, what? Some, some of our listeners actually enjoy the show. I would say most of them, yes. As we have acknowledged many times in the course of our first 100 episodes, we love those nobodies. And we desperately want to continue to make Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone to help get them through the choppy waters ahead. In order to keep making our show, though, we have to continue to increase the number of people who listen. And the best way to do that is for each listener to share with their friends, family, and co-workers that they enjoy listening to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. The problem, Adam, yes? is, that, is that that can be an awkward conversation. Uh, well, so, I'm, it, this is wonderful to have this back for a special 100th episode reappearance. So I have written some simple, sample dialogue to help Do listeners tell. break that trail. Try this. Listener's friend. When I agreed to join you on an archaeological dig, I didn't realize we'd be digging for days. Listener. I told you my job is hard. Listener's friend. I think my shovel just hit something. Listener. Go easy. We want the dinosaur bones to be intact. Listener's friend. It doesn't feel like just bone. It feels like I've hit a big purse. Did you feel that? The ground is shaking. Listener. Shit, it's moving. That thing is alive. Run! Listener's friend. Don't run beside me. Stay six feet away. Listener. I didn't know I was running beside you. My mask steamed up my glasses. Listener wipes off glasses. Oh my God, it's an Albertosaurus, which is a genus of... Tyrannosaurid theropod. They lived 100.5 million years ago through 66 million years ago. This one overstayed its welcome, though. Listener's friend, I don't give a fuck. Why are you telling me this shit? Listener, 
It kind of reminds me of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast. You learn something even while having an emotional experience. Although on the podcast, the emotional response is laughter. Here, we're scared shit because these things are carnivores. Listener's friend, keep running. You never told me you listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone before. Listener, I just didn't know how to say it. It felt awkward. See, Adam? Oh, good God. Listener's friend, I'd, I'd like to listen if I wasn't going to be eaten. Listener, no, you're not. Take your mask off and breathe large respiratory droplets into the Albertosaurus's mouth. Listener's friend, where did you get that idea? Listener, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Gives me so much laughter. I just feel relaxed and creative, and ideas come to me. Do it now! Listener's friend, here goes. It worked! Oh my god! I'm an asymptomatic carrier. I'm so glad we were social distancing and wearing masks. Now we can both live to listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. That should really, those numbers, those those listener numbers are going to really shoot up. Yeah, because as soon as that happens, um, as soon as uh, listeners find a reanimated uh, Albertosaurus and get stalked by it and have that conversation, that's going to send our numbers right up. Yeah, yeah. Every listener <laughs> counts, Adam. Every yeah, they listener sure do. counts. All right. <laughs> well, thank you, Adam. Here's to another hundred. Hey, by the way. There's a store where you don't have to stay six feet away. It's my store at PaulaPoundstone.com. You can get the Poundstone Pussy Pillows, which are a little uh, catnip-filled pillow with a cat joke on one side, and I'll autograph it to your cat on the other side. And it does have a grommet where you can attach a string, although I don't provide the string. And you know, now might be a very good time to grab a copy of my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, because... We need happiness now. And new to the website, prescription laughter videos. Oh, so that sounds fantastic. And if you are offended by the fact that the Poundstone Pussy Pillows have a grommet for you to tie a string to, but Paula doesn't tie the string on, or if you are offended by that name, Poundstone Pussy Pillows, um, you can always send it back to me to get a Felber Feline Fun Bag with a string attached and a different name. And my signature. And I want to point out that if you go on the uh, World Wide Web's, maybe go to Twitter, our listener, Brooke Giddings, was the happy recipient of the very first two ever manufactured Felber Feline Fun Bags just the other day. And she posted a video of her cat enjoying them. And since then, it's sweeping the nation. (laughs) All right, we'll be back with more. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone after this. Fun fact, it would take 1,200,000 mosquitoes each sucking once to completely drain the average human of blood. According to scientists, the only single organism in nature that sucks that much is Mitch McConnell. (laughs) And we're 
we're back. Welcome back, all you know buddies. We love hearing from you. If you want to enter our theme song contest or send a succinct description of our show for Paula to use on the radio or us to use on the website, just drop us a line and send it to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. You can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're all over the place. And check out our Facebook page at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Lefelber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Alexandra Horowitz, and thanks to our house band, Nobody, Lindsay Goodman. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie, Starburns production by Land Romo, technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Oh, so French Trump came in for some lumps. Ah, uh, poor French Trump. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's taking it hard. Really? I wouldn't think of him as the thin-skinned type. That's that's what you don't understand about him. Guy's a stable <laughs> genius. No, that's my mistake. He's a stable genius. <laughs> stable. You know, I was yeah. told to interrupt less by some of our listeners. One of our listeners. One of one of the listeners said that. Said I interrupt too much. Yeah. Huh. You Wait, don't believe no. that, do you, Paul? No, do you? No. 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 No? No. No? I was, I didn't finish my sentence. Well, no? I was going to say no. I, so I, you don't I, believe I, it? Uh, you don't think I'm a big interrupter? Well, thanks, Paula. I mean, that's awesome. No, you do do a little. Uh, well, I guess that listener can just stick it where the sun don't shine. I think you interrupt too much. <laughs> God damn it, Bonnie. <laughs> A podcast network. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.